What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 124 of Cooldown Time. I'm your graphically outdated host of the show, Marco. And joining me, as always, is the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Pablo, we survived it all. We survived a hellacious work week. We survived the damn hurricane trying us. We survived all kinds of things to get to this week where Starfield is finally upon us. But before we get into all the gaming-related stuff on the docket this week, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, basically, uh, I've just been. I was hoping that the hurricane didn't uh, take out our electricity, my light, yeah. my power, all that good stuff. Uh, yes, because I have a child, but also because I have an Xbox Series X with <laughs> Starfield loaded up onto it, and I didn't want that to be affected. <laughs> anyway, priorities. I priorities, man. Priorities, yeah, man. They don't matter. Who cares? No. Yeah, it was, uh, man, it felt like this, the, the past week was just, it was trying in its like best form to just completely derail my Starfield experience. But uh, thankfully it didn't do that. Um, I feel like I, the hurricane was sent by by PlayStation fanboys somehow. Oh, yeah. That's how I've rationalized it in my head. But, you oh, know. You, know, it's, you know, it's true. It's obvious. I, I don't think the listeners understand, like... Uh, Obviously, you're listening to a video game podcast, so we're video game fans. But how much a Bethesda RPG can potentially mean for us? I think the lead up to a Bethesda RPG is, I think, for me, the most kind of exciting time uh, because yeah. it just the, the the possibilities of what that game can be. So it's it's um, it's definitely been all jokes aside, super exciting week to kind of ramp up to that and finally get to actually get our hands on it. Finally, I tweeted, I'm fucking finally playing starfield which is crazy it was a surreal feeling i can't lie when i booted it up i'm like this is finally not the game i'm thinking about i'm actually playing it right now so yeah well we do have a hell of an episode lined up this week pablo and uh, let's go ahead and tell the people what's on the docket this week which is obviously starting off with our massive spoiler free analysis of starfield and what we think about starfield's controversial critical reception as well Plus, if you haven't heard, Sony made a shocking price hike that angered a lot of PlayStation fans, us included, and we're going to talk about it right here. Then you'll also hear two skeptics tell you whether Armored Core 6 is worth your time, and if Sea of Stars and Immortals of Avium are any good as well. Now, given the fact that we're going to be talking pretty heavily about Starfield, uh, we want to obviously respect all of your time with this episode. So what we're going to be doing, just as a little bit of housekeeping here, is we're going to be cutting the Checkpoint chat uh, this week, which is ordinarily our main event of the show. Uh, but we don't want this to turn into a three-hour episode that you don't have time for. So uh, we're going to go ahead and put that on hold and save that for next time around uh, and just keep it real simple and talk about the games we're playing and some news items this week and uh, and call it a day. Uh, so hopefully that sounds good to all of you. If it doesn't, you can call corporate. No one's picking up the phone. All right. Uh, Pablo, let's go ahead and get the show rolling with the segment dedicated to the games we've been playing since all of you last heard from us. And that is, of course, loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Starfield, the latest game from Todd Howard and his team at Bethesda Game Studios, has finally launched on Xbox and PC. 
And for a game as big and as ambitious as Starfield is, Pablo, uh, we thought it would be best to kick off our loadouts with an extended, spoiler-free discussion about this gigantic RPG to tell you whether Starfield truly lives up to the hype. Uh, and to do that, we're, we're breaking Starfield down into uh, several different points of analysis, everything from characters and story to gameplay and exploration to technical performance and uh, even, uh, of course, the critical uh, feedback that it's been getting from various uh, reviewers and media outlets out there as well. So we're truly covering as many bases as possible here uh, in this discussion. So uh, we hope that all of you enjoy it. And uh, speaking of which, let's just kind of dive right in, Pablo. And I think the best way to do that is to kind of do what we started doing recently, which is these fill in the blank things we like doing sometimes. Um, and I want to do that in the form of an opening declaration. Um, and I want you to fill in the blank for this question and we'll kind of riff from there. Um, and here's the question so far, Pablo Starfield is shaping up to be blank. How would you answer that question? Oh man, I, I would say shaping up to be an amazing experience. Okay. You want to go any further and you want to get a little bit more spicy about that right now? Or, yeah. That, mine's a little spicier than that one. I, I'll, I'll be yeah. honest. Yeah. I, well, here's the thing. I guess it's the, um, I guess it's the, the, the wording it's shaping up to be, mm-hmm. because I would say uh, about 20 something hours in that it isn't quite there yet in mm. terms of being the amazing experience, but it is, shaping up to be that uh experience for me so as it stands it has a little bit more work to do uh and you know i i've done i haven't done that much of the main quest either so it does has it has kind of its work cut out for it but i do see the game itself kind of uh having all the tools Mm. necessary to reach the the apex of the Bethesda RPG okay for sure yeah i'm i'm gonna kind of go out a little bit further uh, on a limb in terms of my experience so far and saying that I would answer this as so far Starfield is shaping up to be my favorite Xbox exclusive of all time. Um, and I'm well, well aware of huge. what that means. I know that means, is it better than halos? Is it better than gears games? Is it better than, you know, all the stuff that we've had over the years. And I'm I'm essentially saying that so far, yeah, I think it is shaping up to have that kind of potential to to achieve that for me personally. Um, and a lot of people are going to disagree with that. A lot of people are going to say, well, maybe this is a bit of recency bias from you. You're kind of in the honeymoon phase. And, you know, look, all I can do is speak on the time that I've spent with the game so far. When I roll credits, when I put, you know, 100 hours into this thing, I'll know where I truly stand about that. I'm just saying so far, I think it Mm -hmm. is shaping up to be able to be my favorite Xbox exclusive. So, right. I, yeah, I I guess we're in the same kind of area though. I would say this, this is probably one of the most important. Oh, I believe that. Absolutely. Ever. Yeah. So yeah. And and the fact that it has the, it has the talent, (laughs) it has the ability to, to, to be that, to actually come in and, and fulfill it's destiny per se. I think that's a, that's an achievement mm-hmm. on its own All already. Right. So, well, uh, yeah. Pablo, you know, we have a lot of ground to cover about the actual nuances of the game, but I think what would be cool is if we give the listeners a little bit of context about 
the characters that we've created uh, in this massive universe in Starfield. Uh, so tell us about your character, Pablo. What's, you know, did you pick a unique name? What's its uh, background traits? What kind of behavior? How are you acting out here? What's your yeah. play style? Give me, give me the rundown. Who is Pablo well, yeah, we... in the future? Well, I mean, my character name is called Murphy. <laughs> and that is a carryover from oh, Fallout okay. 4. Um, so in Fallout 4, for those of you who don't remember, Cosworth was able to say yeah. your name. But at the very start, it was a limited amount of names. And a lot of the names were pretty like white guy names, <laughs> like David Murphy, for one, you know. But I just thought... I just thought Murphy was such an interesting name for whatever reason. And I rolled Murphy in Fallout 4 and ever, every uh, play after, like even if I replayed Murphy and I played a female, uh. it was still Murphy, like always Murphy. So I went into Starfield and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Also Murphy. Uh, and that's, that's, what's, that's my character's name. The background I chose for, for Murphy was Space Scoundrel. <laughs> Uh, it had the things that I liked. It had the space. It had the pistol certification and the pers- the persuasion uh, uh, ability already uh, baked into the character. And so I felt myself to be like, okay, I could be the type of person that walks in there, ask questions, but not have a lot of patience and shoot first. Uh, but honestly, and, and I'll I'll give you my traits. My traits are extrovert. Kid stuff and hero worship. Extrovert because obviously there's always companions in the game and it gives you some boost there. So I that was I I think everybody I forget yours, Marco, but I'm pretty sure everybody I've spoken to has extrovert on there. It just makes a lot of sense for that to, to be a part, especially if you're gonna travel companions. And then the other stuff, kid stuff and hero worship, kid stuff. Um, I just thought that was super interesting and the cons of kid stuff was two percent of your total that's one, money that, that's, going that's out. the one with the parents so it wasn't right? yeah that's what yeah. we have parents and i just thought it was interesting and funny and i and they said that they give you gifts and then also like i said the cons only two percent of what you have so it's not really that big of a negative and then i did hero worship because they talked about that uh extensively uh and i thought that was Absolutely hilarious, and it hasn't disappointed. Hero Worship, I picked that, uh-huh. uh, and it was, it was pretty good. As for my temperament, yeah, um, yeah. you want to keep, yeah. you want me to keep going? Yeah. As for my temperament, um, I wanted to be like an endearing asshole, a a um, a Han Solo, if you will, but it, that's just not been the case. I've been so like so about the law like hey shouldn't you have standards like i try to be that guy and then it just i always like devolve into being the straight lace guy which is weird for me because my personality is pretty like you're a, you're a I'm maniac pretty, like, uh, you're an absolute fucking I'm, maniac yeah i'm a man i'm, I'm, a, I'm a little spazzy <laughs> but when it comes to 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 these games specifically but that's the rpgs i always find myself playing the straight laced guy it's a real role playing there so it's what i'm doing um and my play style is uh it's a lot of it's combat it's mm. pistol certification uh I, I've, I've upgraded that as much as i possibly can to this point uh and it's basically just trying to find a way to to, to, to persuade you not to to fight me but you know if it's not working out i just hit the attack option and we're off to the races. Uh, so that's kind of where that's kind of my character build uh, as it stands right now. Uh, so far, I'm happy with it. I, I really like the the piss certification stuff and all that good stuff. Uh, and it's really working out for my. Kind that of sounds like style. you're How an about you, human being that loves his parents. Very accurate, true to form. Very Pablo right there. <laughs> well, 
Well, actually, yeah. In the sense where I played the, I was playing the game, and I'm like, actually, I don't know. If this makes a lot of sense. How can I be a space scoundrel and have loving parents? But it's like, no, that's kind of the way yeah. that always works. These, yeah. Did so, you make yeah, a character a lot look of like sense. you, by the way? Or okay, I did. Right. I did. Yeah, he, my 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 character looks Puerto wow. Rican as fuck. I didn't even try. <laughs> Puerto Rican name Murphy yeah. just pulled up to Starfield. <laughs> what a guy! Uh, all right, well. Jeez. What a time to be so, alive. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, for my character, I I really wanted to experiment with, like, fully trying to role play as myself as much as humanly possible. And obviously, y- you can only be so true to yourself. It's a very sensationalized version of you that you can create in, in a game like this. But um, I made my name Marco. Um, you know, my, my background is I picked industrialist because I think it, it, as far as, like, my real life you know, ways and means. I've always wanted to kind of own my own thing at some point, but I, you know, I'd never really got to that, but I still have a lot of those, um, those elements in me and my, in my brain with the way I move and think and try to, you know, manage things, um, where I still have that, I still have that dog in me, you know, but, uh, but, uh, so I picked that one. Um, and, uh, for traits, I picked, um, empath, introvert, and terra firma. So I picked empath because I think I've always been fairly in tune with like how people are feeling and doing that are around me. So I thought, okay, I think as someone who's, who wants to use persuasion, um, which comes with being an industrialist in this game, I think having that to kind of help guide me, it would be interesting to have as a, as a, as a pairing introvert, because I am an introvert in real life. So I wanted to, I wanted to, to roll with that. I knew that I was going to spend a lot of time with companions, but I also wanted to like, not just pick that because it was the right game thing to do. I wanted to do it as me. So, That's right. um, yeah. I gamified my choices as to you actually yeah. went because I believe it or not I, I I'm also an introvert like I'd rather just not talk to many people but in in this game yeah. I gamified it for sure you, you're going the di- I like that we're yeah. going completely different yeah and there's times game. honestly where yeah. and not because I don't like having companions with me it just sometimes I don't really want companions in the game either so it it, it kind of does carry over in some in some kind of weird way and then terra firma nice. um, I picked that one and that one's basically that you never get used to space so your oxygen levels I think and energy levels are always lower when you're in space as opposed to being um, on a planet. And I picked that because I'm kind of a homebody also. So I figured, you know, I don't like traveling. I'm not that kind of guy. So I figured this is probably the sci-fi variant of that that seems the most in line with me. Um, My temperament is typically even keeled, but sarcastic. So if there's a sarcastic response, I'm going to pick it usually because that's just kind of who I am. But generally, I I try to be fair and balanced. I I don't really do anything that's like super... Uh, evil or or even like nefarious in any kind of weird way right uh, in my play style um i'm definitely more of the hacking lock picking type um but i've i've found that even though i wanted to be more stealthy i've i've kind of naturally gravitated to just more of a pure run and gun type of player more often than not uh, and i'll get into more about why that is later on but uh, and yeah. of course using persuasion i'm i'm really big on trying to find those those dialogue options to kind of you know get an alternative solution to a problem that might otherwise require you know fisticuffs or something like that um but that's kind of how i've been rolling so far mm-hmm. and i i've been really enjoying it yeah that's um 
Yeah, yeah. And the the fact that the game allows you to, to kind of play that way is yeah. is is really yeah, cool. I, I like definitely. that quite a bit. So let's kind of transition into the story. And again, this is a reminder, this is a spoiler-free conversation to all you listeners out there who are worried that we're gonna kind of blow, you know, some some big plot point. We're gonna keep things as as conscious as possible when it comes to spoilers. But I do want Pablo to get your spoiler-free take on how the early game story and lore and characters are kind of hitting you so far. Yeah, I mean, a lot was made about, and especially some reviews that I read about it being a slow burn. And I kind of came ready for that as a Bethesda game. It usually does. There's a lead up to before that that big walkout moment, and so I was kind of gearing up for that. But I don't feel like that's been true. I think that the game pr- starts off pretty quickly, and it gives you kind of an intriguing mystery right off right off the bat in terms of what is the things to come when it comes to the main story as for all the early game uh characters i i really like so far uh a lot of the characters barrett uh specifically i think he's he's kind of the guy that i wanted to be when i kind of thought about the kind of play style that i wanted to do so uh it, it's all all of it i think it's it's just been incredibly uh intriguing and interesting and uh it's just been you know, it's hard to say because I don't want to spoil right. anything about the story because even early on, I had no idea exactly what everything was about. So I was a little bit surprised about the elements of the the mystery behind that what's happening because I, I, I kind of shut myself off from that. But I, I, I'm intrigued. I think that the, it's a very strong start to the game um, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I, I think that it, this could probably go down as one of the most interesting main stories in a Bethesda game. Uh, just because of the fact that a lot of the games, uh, a lot of the other games, they, the main story is usually kind of like the the side dish. It isn't the main course, and and it's kind of the same here. But it, it, I I have been more interested in kind of going down that main path way more than any other time I played a Bethesda game, like f- from mm, the jump. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. Actually, um, you, you kind of touched on a lot of points that I was going to really talk about. Honestly, um, I think the early game premise, I think, you know, feels really intriguing and interesting to think about. Um, I think that the characters so far have been pretty solid. Uh, I've enjoyed getting to know them and the opportunities I've had to do it. And I think the lore around the game uh, really feels present and it feels like it is a directly, it it is directly impacting what what you see and do, um, which I think most games, Mm -hmm. especially sci-fi games don't do very well. Um, But I I really do applaud it for that. I think, I think to kind of, Going a slightly different direction, I I really like that the early game story doesn't force a sense of urgency in the main quest. Um, right. I've really enjoyed the leisurely flow of the game, and I find the more grounded sci-fi premise to be quite refreshing compared to all the standard must stop the unknown alien threat from destroying all sentient life premise that we've seen in like every sci-fi game ever. Um, I think to me, this game is more about letting us as the players find our own sense of place, identity and purpose in this like vast, you know, space. And because of that, the game feels quite pleasantly dialed into me and my motivations instead of imposing this sense of urgency to prevent impending demise when I barely have my bearings as it is. So I I like the fact that the sense of leisure has made me feel really at ease about exploring and tackling side quests, talking to folks and just role-playing who I want to be. That makes sense. Yeah. And not only that, like, uh, 
a lot of the times, and I'll and I'll keep it with the Bethesda type games. You know, find your dad or find your son. It, it's you know these are pretty important things that as a as as a human going into, you're like, oh, I want to do this immediately. And then obviously because of the nature of the game, you're right. completely being sidetracked. You're trying to look for your kid here and you're like, anyway, let me go ahead and do all this <laughs> other bullshit. In this game, you're literally become a part of a group that are re- scientific right. researchers. And as anybody who knows about anything when it comes to specifically uh, space uh, research and whatnot and all, all, all that entails, it's all takes time. It isn't, massive discovery after massive discovery it's these little things and you little things that you do to get a little bit more information and i like the fact that i can not do constellation missions and not feel like i'm i'm not playing the way the game wants me to play it feels very much like hey everybody's on board even companions tell you hey Let's right. take our time with this. Yes. Let's make sure, you know, whatever you need to do, go ahead and do that. But make sure that we keep our mission also in place. Like, I love that the whole experience is like, finally, just right. do that, you. That's, and that's why I wanted to you kind know? of role play more than I would in a typical mm-hmm. RPG, because I feel like it was giving me the opportunity to to, to be me in this in this space. Um, and I get, and I, you know, I know the other side of the coin is that some people can find that omitting a large scale threat can make a game like this feel aimless and lethargic at times. But I actually find it quite liberating and refreshing to just go live my best life basically. Um, So to that point, I mean, I've enjoyed participating in a lot of the small but endearing stories from the people and the colonies I visited, like their modest lives Mm -hmm. and their day-to-day struggles make them feel like real people just trying to find some sense of purpose or even like a simple pick me up in their life that I guess kind of strikes a chord with me on a personal level. Um, And that's not to say that there aren't sci-fi ass quest lines. There are, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, It's just that the way the game plays with the duality of infinite possibilities of space versus grounded expectations. is just, it's really fascinating uh, dichotomy to me with all the advancements of space travel and colonization. Life can be just as hard and empty handed as, as ever. And I kind of dig that. So um, I really like what Mm -hmm. they're striving for there. I really do. Um, Let's yeah, move on to quests, though. We kind of touched on it a moment ago, but how do you feel about the quest structure uh, compared to previous Bethesda games? Are, are you finding missions enjoyable so far? The missions themselves are very enjoyable. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going off on kind of a side quest uh, right now. The last 10 hours has just been that. I'm playing this uh, side quest that pretty much started... Pr- it, it was really simple thing. Go help these people out. And it has expanded into this massive, super important scientific discovery that isn't even part of the game. It feels like this could have been a storyline from the game. It could have probably been the main line, of, the main quest of, of this game. And the fact that it isn't is super interesting. I will say structurally, I do find it a bit messy. You have five different categories of quests from main faction, miscellaneous missions and activities. And sometimes a lot of that stuff, you do an activity and, and you do that. And then that becomes a miscellaneous quest. It just, the way it moves through that, I find the structure itself to be a bit messy. And obviously just like most of these kind of games, it can feel a little overwhelming. It's just basically uh, just so much stuff on there. Uh, but you know, just find the what, find what's most interesting to you and do that. I guess is the is is the best way of going about it. And I do find the early missions uh, 
like we've already mentioned, uh, to really set up a really interesting uh, mystery that is one part like uh, one part obviously scientific and science fiction and all that craziness with possible messages coming from beyond, and then the other part of it is just literally just being a scientist, you know, going out there and finding little things that really uh, can can solve this mystery. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's kind of where I'm at with, with kind of the quest structure in itself. The missions themselves are done spectacularly well, but in terms of like how they come together and the flow of it can feel a little bit messy and uh, overwhelming. Yeah, sure. I, I suppose it's it was probably tough for them to wrangle that uh, throughout development because of mm-hmm. the sheer quantity uh, of quests and and yeah yeah and a lot of them aren't one-offs a lot of them are you know finish a quest and then oh come talk to this person later and then you get like the second mm-hmm. phase of that quest so I- i'm sure it must have been hard for them to kind of figure out how to organize all that and catalog it the right way but i do agree it can be a little haphazard um you know when you kind of go in there and, and, and try to find the thing that you wanted to pick up on um and you, you can't track it down or something like that um but generally speaking i i think the quest structure is mostly in line with bethesda's previous games um i i but i do find them to be way more captivating than any other game they've done um and i think it's Mm -hmm. just it's partially because it I, i will admit that part of it is because of the newness of playing a new ip um you know and just being marveling at what starfield is as the first of its kind for them whereas playing fallout Four, you know the quest structure there the mission types there can feel a bit samey compared to previous fallout games right so um i i just i find it a, a very unique how um even though it feels familiar it does feel a bit new because of the fact that it's you know in this new backdrop of starfield um but generally speaking i'm yeah. enjoying it so far um i i think that uh, I, I really haven't run into anything that i thought was um, you know, complete waste of time. Um, some quests are are supposed to be very quick and easy um, because they yeah. just want to, you know, be in and out and emphasize something about, you know, maybe the the state of affairs in a particular colony or, um, you know, just something that, again, we, as I touched on earlier, something that somebody needs as a pick-me-up to get them through their busy day or something like that. And right. I really dig the fact that they don't, they're not, they're not desperate to make every quest the most impactful epic quest of your life like they they i like that there's a lot of variety in what they're doing um so yeah and they and they smartly use that quest structure also for tutorials like check your ship inventory is one of the activities and and i I think that's a really smart way of doing it because you know it's it's a to-do list and you check it off and then from that you actually learn a very important thing that uh, otherwise could have been just a pop-up exactly exactly um, and, uh, you know, rounding out our, our characters and story uh, portion of this conversation is, uh, you know, the topic of immersion in role playing. Uh, Pablo, are you satisfied with the role playing elements so far? How are you spending your time and how would you best describe your mm-hmm. sense of freedom, immersion and choice? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, like we mentioned up top, I think the role playing aspect of this game is it's, it's superb. I think through dialogue specifically, you can really carve out your personality uh, in a way where people notice. Uh, I, I had an interaction with a an, M- an NPC, a companion, and I kept picking the the annoying. Oh, not the annoying, the uh, sarcastic option that you have usually. And by the third time that I did it, the guy was like, is it going to be like this every time? He literally said that to me. So, so I it's ask like myself every they, time I hit record they, with you. 
so it's it's like they know me in that way and i obviously um, the game is structured that way i'm sure if i they have that computed if, if i pick this certain thing a few times they'll comment on that but that that really lends itself to the role-playing aspect and the immersion of it because even though i've named my character murphy uh i i am trying to go about it like me as much as I possibly can, and I've I've heard that many a times from my wife. Is it gonna be like this all the it's, time? It's bad when it's so coming from it, everybody you know, man. <laughs> Might be time to evaluate oneself. Well, no, you know what's bad? You know what's bad? As bad as that they dumb as hell. They don't know. The answer is yes, yeah, no, always. That's why I'm on 100, uh, 124 episodes of this bullshit with you because I've, I've given yeah. up. Stop asking those damn questions. The answer is yes. It's always going to be like this, you dumbass. Not you specifically, but um, uh, but anyway, I yeah. As for the immersion stuff, I more specifically, I I, I think it's great. Again, um, you can really showcase yourself not only through how you look but also your the com- the people that you decide to be companions uh your ship and the way that looks like how gaudy it may look or or, or how or, or or specifically how you want to to uh how you want to build it all that stuff is is all part of your character and i i love that about it i will say that um sometimes it takes me a little bit out of an, the immersion aspect when it starts to feel a little gamified. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in the next section. So what exactly is takes me out of it sometimes? Mm. Uh, because it's like it has to do a lot with menu fumbling and things of that sort. So it's like, okay, this doesn't really feel like the rest of the game. So we'll, we'll get to okay. that there. But in terms of everything else, I think the game, <laughs> I think this game does a better job than most when it comes to role playing and immersion, just because of everything that you can actually do. It's it's, it's pretty. Yeah, incredible. I would agree. Um, you know, f- for me, the way that I've sort of role played so far is I've spent most of my time on on planets so far. I really haven't done a lot of space exploration um, just yet because um, I wanted to soak in all all the characters, Same. the quests, the shops, and the colonies that I've found so far. Um, as for my character, I really feel, and I mentioned it earlier, that I I've been able to role play as close to an approximation as my authentic self uh, as possible in a way that makes me feel like my choices and actions are aligned with what I would do if I was really there. Um, Now, I wouldn't say that Starfield approaches Baldur's Gate three levels of choice and agency, but I I never feel like I'm asked to step outside of the character that I want to be, if that makes sense. And I also also appreciate the feeling of ownership. Uh, in this game, especially with like owning your own ship and, you know, having things that really do belong to you, as well as the little touches, like being called by my real name, by the mech companion in the game and, and things like that. Um, and I, I really have to say uh, that I, I enjoyed the character creation and I am um, I'm kind of impressed at, you know, the amount of style there is with things you can wear uh in the game too that you know if you go into third person you feel like oh wow i can see myself and i'm kind of you know i like how i look in the game um so i I like those little touches as well because character creation especially for previous bethesda games can be terrible because you can you can look you can look but ugly in, in that game no matter what you do you can spend all day long in the sliders and wherever and you can look like you are a bum on the street and this game actually <laughs> helps you create an attractive looking character. Um, so, and as an attractive man, uh, I found that mm. to be incredibly important. You, oh man, I almost hit that drum all right, thing. See, because Pablo has sound bites that he's dying to use, and I'm not going to let him do that. No, I'm not using. I'm not going to do right. it. I ain't going to do it. Um, not yet. Right. Not today. I'm not watching. today. Um, but Pablo, <laughs> let me go ahead and um, you know 
move on here because uh, we got to talk briefly about environments. I mean, we, we've we've explored a lot so far, even in our short time with the game. Um, but in the time you spent exploring, what are some of your spoiler-free impressions about the locations you visited? And has ad- has adventuring felt enjoyable, okay, or underwhelming so far? Well, at that aspect, it's been very enjoyable. Okay. Uh, you know, I do like going into different planets, different cities, and seeing the differences in in that structure like going to Aquila and going to to uh was it Atlantis New Atlantis, was it New yeah. Atlantis yeah uh, the difference between those two things are astronomical they almost feel like different games almost you know uh and I just love that there's that difference in 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 their environments I will say though some environments are like drop dead gorgeous while others are very drab and gray. Um, it's just kind of the visual fidelity of the game, which we'll get into, uh, is a little uneven sometimes. So, And that reflects on specific environments. Mm. Uh, and even and even areas in New Atlantis where if you look out to the horizon, it looks crazy bad. But So it's just those little things, but it doesn't take away from the game. Not it, The good in, in that department when it comes to environment far outweighs the bad for sure Mm -hmm. uh but yeah i i i love i love the difference i especially those big cities uh because i spent a lot of time in those in in some of these and it just it feels lived in it feels very uh very like the tone that they're going for they hit it out the park as soon as you land in terms of walking through those doors they do such a good job especially with with the people and i know it sounds a little lame but the accents of people like new aquila uh not new aquila but aquila is is a little bit like a wild west and so everybody there has like a little twang when they talk you know and and the thing you'd first do in there is akin to something you see in a western film you know uh so it's I, I like that they not only do that with the in, environments, but also just the dressing around those environments. Uh, I think it, it's it's awesome that the way they do. Yeah, that. I'm I'm pretty blown away about a lot of that stuff too, and I'm I'm also just blown away at how interactive a lot of locations are. Mm-hmm. Colonies in particular were a, a pretty big wow moment for me because very few buildings were just window dressing. You can go in and, and literally walk into. Oh, absolutely. You can walk in most places, and and most places that I've walked into have some sort of purpose that they actually serve um contrary to like a cyberpunk where a lot of it's like oh here's a club that you can never walk into you know it's just the entrance right. of it you yeah the music from the outside. Um, it, everything does feel like it has a sense of place and feels properly lived in as well which i really like um and i i like the fact that there's variety in the in the locations i've seen you know it's the very you know prim proper and sterile looking new atlantis and then there's kind of the dank depths of like a mars colony and things like that so i I like that there's diversity oh mars is cool and there's a few places that i'm really dying to see that i haven't been to next uh to yet but um i i really like that every every place feels unique in its own way um and so i i'm pretty happy so far with where i've been uh like i said i haven't spent a lot of time in space so i can't necessarily speak to you know um a lot of the planets i've been to a few and explored around a few places, but I haven't I haven't done enough of a sample size, I guess, to really have a takeaway as strong as I do about like the colonies and, and whatnot. I I will say that there is a difference, not in quality, but just in obviously the intricacies of being in a planet and exploring yeah. the cities and being in space. Uh, whether that be because it, it's sterile yeah. in space, but even the procedurally generated uh, areas that you go to um, do feel a little bit 
obviously not as intricate, but to your point, because of the way that they do uh, procedural generation, a lot of the things that they have in those areas are accessible. You can enter a lot of those those areas. And it's one of the few times that I feel like uh, uh, procedural generation actually works in, in a really, really interesting mm. way because of the preset things that they already have. And it hasn't gotten old to me yet. I don't know if it will or not, but so far it's it's pretty impressive in terms of like, Oh yeah, this is procedure generated, but it doesn't feel like that. At least not mm. yet. I haven't seen enough to it where anything is repeated. Itself. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there probably is some some repetition. Yeah, sure. Uh, every every procedurally generated game has a template to do that from. So I'm sure you'll find you know yeah. similarities. But um, that that's that's good to know though. I I look forward to finding but, more of that you know as I as I venture further into the game. But then again, I mean, sure. But also, like if you're going into colonies or outskirts, those just look a certain kind of way anyway. Yeah, that's true. You know, so, yeah. yeah. All right, well, we're not just all looking around and, and, and taking in the sights and sounds. Sometimes we fight, Pablo. Sometimes we have mm. to fight. Uh, so let's talk about combat, um, specifically um, on-foot combat. Um, you know, Pablo, how are you feeling about the mechanics so far, and how, how well does the game's combat systems cater to your preferred play style? Yeah, uh it's it, for my play style is excellent because I will say this out front right now the best combat of any Bethesda RPG game bar mm. none. I mean it's not even close. Fallout Four they they talked about how they've improved the shooting and sure compared to three it is improved but this from the first encounter you have it just feels really good to shoot a gun like it 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 it's 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 really good and and maybe that's because. I expected this not to feel as good as they claimed, but I think it feels very good, very crisp, very clean. I love the way the guns feel. I love the way uh, they sound, all that stuff. The combat to me is is excellent, and it, and I find excuses uh, not to engage in combat, but find myself in, in, in places where I know that I have to use combat, you know, like doing specific missions that I know are combat centric because I love the combat. And I love the weapons. I love everything about the, the combat. It's, it's, it's by far besides the, the, the RPG elements of it and the stories and all that. It's by far my favorite thing to do in this game is just mm. engage in combat because it just feels awesome. It feels great, and it had to. There's no VAT system at all or anything like that, so you're not slowing down, which is exactly how I played all Fallout with that. I barely ever shot a gun I real know. time. Yeah. And the fact that, yeah, the fact that there's none of that, which worried me a little bit because they were very clear early on that they, this game did not have that, but the fact that the gunplay specifically feels so good, it's... I'm so happy. It's the and, and they don't and they don't waste any time in getting you there quickly because I, I you know I thought that maybe I wasn't going to engage in any actual shooting for a while and and the fact that I did pretty early on it showed it showed the confidence in at least what they had in terms of the combat. What did you think, man? I'm interested to to, to see what you. Yeah, you I'm actually kind of with you. I think combat feels remarkably good and intuitive, um, mm -hmm. and it's it's actually in some ways it's more challenging than I was led to believe because a lot of people talked mm -hmm. about the AI can be a little hit and miss, and it is. But I still found the difficulty to be um, kind of right where I like it. Um, I, I don't feel like I'm. Um, in an unfair situation. And if I am, it's usually because I put myself in one and I need to be a little bit right. more tactful about how I'm moving through uh, um, you know, a space where enemies are. Um, and I think it's forgiving in the ways that it needs to be as well. Um, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not trying to be, you know, 
the the frustrating restart from checkpoint kind of experience all the time. Although I've had my share of that just as I've been getting my bearings. Uh, so I've actually yeah, really same. liked it. Um, the only downside for me is I haven't found stealth to be particularly viable. Um, and haven't even tried. And it. well, and part of the reason why it's, it's a negative for me is cause that's, that's kind of how I initially wanted to play the game. Uh, earlier I, I mentioned, I, I kind of ended up being this guns blazing sort of character. And I think I, I became that type of character number one, because I like the way the shooting feels, but number two, because I think stealth just feels a little bit, um, lacking. Uh, I was going to ask that when you, when you said that up top, but then I was like, you probably yeah. covered it. Cause I was like, is it because it forced you into it? Because I've heard a lot of people say that, that stealth isn't. Yeah. Great. It's just not. And I, I think what would have been, what would have been good is if there was like stealth kill animations and things like that to make mm. it feel like it's, it's not like this little afterthought type of play style, but it's actually viable. And I think the stealth mechanics, as far as being hidden or exposed, they, it feels a little finicky at times. Uh, and I don't, I can't tell if it's because I haven't dumped enough ability points into stealth um, to make it better or more viable. I just know I put one point in stealth to see how that made me feel about things, and it just didn't feel. It felt a little wonky for me. It felt it, honestly, it felt a little dated. Is the problem. Um, yeah, and yeah. so I just decided, you know what, it doesn't feel like they've evolved the stealth gameplay as much as they've evolved the all out shooting gameplay. So let me just focus on that and enjoy it instead of fighting with melee and things like that, that I might not really enjoy. So, um, but that's really my only negative. I'm, I'm actually like you, I'm pleasantly surprised and I have to agree fully. This is the best combat I've seen them do, uh, bar none in, yeah. in any game. Um, yeah, yeah, but we're not always on uh, the ground. We're also uh, in space, Pablo. So I want to ask you: Are you enjoying the space travel and the ship-based gameplay and combat so far? Are there any standout aspects, good or bad, that uh, have 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 struck you so far? I'll start with the good. I think that having that ship and the fact that you can kind of configure it the way you want, uh, it feels. Uh, really cool. I like all the little stuff inside the cockpit. I think blasting off and and and, and you sitting in your your cockpit chair and, and all those things switching on, all that stuff is awesome. Uh, I I really I I I make sure to 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 see the animation every time because I just love him pulling up the screen. All the analog equipment, him, yeah, that, it's so dope. Yeah, all that stuff is so yeah. dope. Uh, as for gameplay of it, it's okay. I like it okay. I think it works well enough, but for me, it's my least favorite part of the game. I I, I feel like uh, I think it has to do with a lot of the ship. It just feels a lot of meaningless, like when you're going through like the dogfights. Like it doesn't really feel like I'm moving, right? I am, but it doesn't really feel like I'm moving. Sure, things are getting closer and whatnot, but it just feels very not as intuitive as I would like. Um, and then there's other aspects uh, that, uh, like, space travel is is not what I thought it was going to be. Um, and that's not because I think that I was sold. Oh, we'll get into something that. that. We'll get into that. Yeah, 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 we'll get into that. But I just feel like, for me, the the actual being in my space, like, talking to my crew, all that, that's cool. But the the, the gameplay of it, I don't really enjoy it that much mm. I, I mean i like it okay but it's just i i'm fast traveling everywhere basically when it comes to movement going and that kind of takes away from the fact that um you know negates the the, the 
being in your ship and flying to to places it just doesn't really feel like that's a, a viable thing to to spend time doing uh but uh, again customization is, is is cool if you want to do that you don't even have to uh but yeah how about you marco yeah so it's uh it's interesting because I, I agree on some level with you but i also i'm, I'm kind of putting a pin in it because i can't tell if some of my hang-ups are because it's because maybe because the starting ship that I, I had for the opening hours wasn't particularly great and it didn't feel mobile enough or something like that. Like maybe if I had uh, a faster ship or, you know, a more nimble ship, maybe I would feel different about dogfighting and stuff like that. But um, I, I do I do relate on some level to the way it feels just kind of OK or middle of the road so far. Um, I, I also want to see what they do in terms of quests that are in space. I haven't run into anything so far where there's like a, like a specific quest where you you have to do something that is of like huge significance up there in, in space yet. I've, I feel like a lot of what I've done up there has felt um, pretty hasty. Like, you know, here's yeah. two enemies coming in and shoot them down and okay, now we're clear and now we can go do the next thing. I wonder mm-hmm. how much time they're going to spend, particularly in the main quest line with having us do things in our spaceship. Uh, that's what I'm really curious about. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I would say I, I still I love the feeling of having a ship crew, though. I love that feeling of ownership that I talked about earlier. And I and it sounds like a small little thing, but the, the ability to dock and board other ships to me, I don't it's just downright cool. I don't know why it's just it, it's such a small feature, but it, it feels dope to be able to say, oh, I can dock that ship over there if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like that, that the possibilities of that. Um, especially if I wanted to kind of be this, you know, um, this pillaging bandit asshole, uh, that, that you're, (laughs) you're clearly trying to be, um, Hey, so Pablo, uh, we also have some more, uh, you know, topics to tackle here with Starfield. I want to kick it over to you to kind of run us through your portion of it. Cause I want to answer questions first sometimes. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and walk us through, uh, what you got? Yeah, so uh, definitely, let's get into uh, more of a technical aspect of things, and let's yeah. walk. Let's talk about the frame rate, uh, Marco. Uh, a lot has been said about frame rate, and you know, obviously, the jury's out on exactly the jury was out exactly how exactly this game was going to play. If the thirty frames was going to feel good, how do you how were how was your experience so far with the frame rate in in Starfield? Um, it, to be blunt, it's been no issue for me whatsoever. Uh, and, and, and honestly, that's because of how snappy I think that the first person uh, person person shooting <laughs> wow. with Sean Connery. First person Persian. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think the gameplay feels so responsive to me that I don't feel um, like the, the frames have been a hindrance to me at all. Um, right. I think that it, for me, it's it's been almost a non-issue. Uh, it was a little jarring in the beginning of the game because my eyes had to adjust to the, the, the mm. lower frames. But once I did that, I think it's been absolutely fine. I mean, there's some dips here and there when you get to um, when you when you get to, you know, colonies and stuff uh, when you're running through pretty fast through certain areas. Um, yeah. It can be, you know, a little choppy, but just for a split second or two. Or if you get on like the tram that's at New Atlantis, they can there could be that. Oh, the tram like, it uh, runs at five yeah, frames. Yeah, it gets a little hitchy <laughs> there, but I, I haven't run into anything that made me go Ugh, like that. Just that didn't feel good. Yeah. Um. So I have no complaints about the vi- uh, the, the frame rate. We'll talk about visuals and you know yeah, bugs yeah, yeah. and glitches in a second. But yeah, frame rate wise, no, no issue for me. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, you know, uh, 
after I got the jetpack, I'm actually like in some areas, in some tight quarter areas, I'm jumping, flying across areas, shooting at the same time. Like I'm doing a lot of stuff that would make it, you know, if there was an issue here, it would make, uh, there'd be a slowdown. And I haven't run into that at all. Like there hasn't been any slowdown or anything like that. It's felt really, really clean. And I, and I, and I get why they make the decision to, to cut it, to, to make it a solid 30. And I, and so far it's worked with Starfield benefit from 60 frames. Yeah, absolutely. Most games would benefit from 60 frames, but as it stands and the way that it is a locked 30 frames, it just feels great. It feels great. I don't even think about it. You know, it's not a thing that I ever think about. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, we might as well talk about visuals too. Um, I, I really like the art style mm-hmm. a lot. I like the filmic color palette, although that can sometimes make the visuals look a bit washed out at times. Um, but I, I love the NASA punk aesthetic. I think it was everything, I I, everything yeah. I hoped it could be. Uh, and I think, you know, overall, uh, and I mentioned it earlier, the lived in feeling, I think they really achieved that very well. Uh, as, as Todd Howard has said many times, he loves having stuff all over the place. And mm-hmm. a lot of people can question whether it's worth, you know, using, I don't know, memory on, on those types of items. But I think it really does add to the feeling of, oh, this was a place where people were that they used real items. Yeah. And so it just it adds to that sense of realism and tangibility that I think is really important. Um, the only downside I would say for me, other than, you know, the occasional graphical glitch and, you know, some stuff looking, you know, a little not as nice as others. I think some of the characters do suffer from the uncanny valley effect at times. Um, they look a little plasticky or some of the expressions look realistic, but also like robotic at the same time. Um, it's those eyes, man. Yeah. The eyes are a little weird. Uh, I will say the lip syncing is really, really well done though. Um, that was kind of surprising, yeah. but again, it, it can look a little, a little bit robotic at times, but nothing it's that, a tale, nothing it, takes me out of the immersion though. It's a tale two halves with the face. The top half looks mm-hmm. like, ugh, but the bottom half and the lip and the way that the, the mouth animates and all that stuff uh, works really, really well. <laughs> yeah. Um, visually. Yeah, man, I think it's, it, it's, it's a pretty nice experience. Mm-hmm. I will say I've never expected this game to be a visual graphical powerhouse no. of a game. I think uh, that's just not what Bethesda usually does. And everything that I saw from the game, I don't think that misled anybody. I think this is exactly what they showed, and, and it looks it looks great. I, I think that uh, they did I, – I have questions about what they should be using, like engine-wise, like this that, that creation engine – I think even at a 2.0 where it's at right now still feels dated compared to other engines. And, and now, with, uh, now with the loading screens being so much more frequent with what they were trying to do, yeah. it, it can feel a little bit creaky now. Yeah. 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 And I think a lot has to do with the fact that this game has been in development for a long time. So there are certain aspects of it that does feel like, Oh, this game has been in development for like 10 years. So <laughs> there, there's some sort of those aspects out there and, and uh, it comes through with the visual stuff, especially the stuff in the background, like the back to the background. Mm. Like I mentioned earlier, like in, in new Atlantis, like if you look beyond that, that there's like supposed to be like shrubbery or, or like a forest it looks it looks a horror or just awful it's just <laughs> terrible don't ever don't don't, look away don't look. yeah don't yeah Jeez. but other than that man I, I i think it looks awesome man the, the details the everything that you see like the, the gun the gun details man if you look at the gun and you look at everything that the gun has and some guns have writing on them scratches yeah. on them all that stuff is so well done, man. You can tell they spent a lot of time with that, and uh, I think it. I think it looks great. I, I do. I really do think that, and I think it's probably the best looking Bethesda game 
ever, which would, you would expect being it the newest one they have. Mm. But um, I, I think that there's a lot here that they do really well. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if this is something that, again, I don't know if the creation engine is something they should be using going forward. I hope that Elder Scrolls Six, which is uh, uh, now in development, is 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 going to use something else, but I doubt it. But we'll see where that goes. But yeah, it, it's awesome um, for sure. What about um? Have you run into yeah. a lot of bugs and glitches at all? All NPC related. Uh, really? When I'm having a conversation with somebody, I, I sometimes I they don't turn around fully, and so I'm talking to their shoulder, and their eyes are just kind of trying to look at me. They look crazy. Uh, some I have other times where I've had just people just keep walking right in front of the conversation. I had one just that happened to me recently where I'm talking to somebody, and this one NPC just constantly kept going left or right i was like excuse me this mad rude this guy's mad rude uh that's all were the bugs and glitches i had i i had some slowdown like sometimes when i take an elevator and i'm about to step out oh, it only happened to me two or three times they've uh it kind of stops for a second and then it goes and no issue oh, and then yeah. the other the other one that i had that's kind of been a pain in the ass a little bit is there's certain times where an npc asks you to follow them and so like, yeah, follow me. And then one time there was one specific time where I just stood there for like 10 seconds waiting for this person to move. And then it's like he he did like a little <laughs> glitchy thing and then started moving. That's kind of all, which is amazing for yeah. a Bethesda game. Uh, but yeah, those are kind of the ones that I've run into. Yeah, How about you? Certainly the least buggiest Bethesda game I've ever played in my whole life. Yeah. Um, I've only run into one bug. Honestly, it was when I walked into a building, there was uh, some type of object that was on display. Um, and when I walked in, it, it like tipped over and fell to the, fell to the ground. Um, other than that and seeing like NPCs bump into each other, which really isn't necessarily a bug. It's just kind of maybe a little being a little overpopulated and seeing, you know, kind of clipping happen between the two characters. I really haven't run into anything that I have gone. Oh, that, that looks dumb. Now I've seen stuff online. I've seen some, some funny stuff online, but I, I, I certainly compared to previous games from them. This is definitely, um, much better quality control um than what i've ever seen them yeah. do before so i think it, i think when you look at bugs and stuff you have to look at the frequency like the stuff issues that i've had um i know alex is playing justin people that that are friends of the show yeah. they're not having a lot of those issues at all they've had their own kind of issues and the fact that uh it's not constant because when you play those fallout games and a lot of the same glitches everybody's having those and the fact that that's not happening here just goes to show that they really, really did their due diligence when it comes mm -hmm. when it came to kind of uh, making this game as bug free as possible. But e even then, you know, uh, even uh, the ones that they are there and that ones that I've seen haven't been like completely like, oh my god, this is awful. It's just mm -hmm. been kind of like, all right, that's fucking weird. Yeah. You know? No, I agree with you hundred percent on that. All right, what do we got next, yeah. Pablo? Yeah, man. So, you know, obviously we have expectations going into into a game, uh, but what are some positive surprises that have come out of your experience with playing Starfield these couple of days? Um, I would say for me, it was definitely the the snappy controls and movement, despite being 30 frames. Uh, yep. The character creator was way better than I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, you know, I, it, I say it kind of halfway because I know that it has some messy aspects to it, but I really do like the UI a lot. Um, I think that it's, clean. it's very clean. Yeah. Very, very clean. I, I enjoy that. And I like the music, um, choices because it's, it's very deliberate. It's not in your face, uh, too often. And when it is, it feels appropriate. It feels on time. 
Um, and it's it's not the corny kind of sci-fi epic to me, sounding music. Like it, it feels fitting. Um, yeah. They, they do use the, the, the central like theme song a lot, uh, which you'll, I'm sure if you've watched enough Starfield content, you know that song. Um, but it, it's, again, it feels tasteful to me. Uh, it doesn't get in the way too much of, of anything. So I really like it. I like the, I like how they pull back, let it be ambient sound, especially when you're in like a new Atlantis kind of a place. Um, so I, I really enjoyed the sound as well. Yeah. So my positive surprises are exactly, were pretty much all the ones you had the, the gunplay, Fantastic. I, I was not expecting that at all. The Bethesda thing seems to be a, a kind of a thing of the past. Hopefully, I think, you know, they had time, they had the resources, and, and you can see that. And the sound is really shocking to me because I think the voice acting, the sound effects, gun sounds, creature sounds, ambiance, the music, all that is top tier. It's top notch. Uh, I know that we talked about kind of an the animation when it comes to NPCs, but I think their voice actors, each of them have their own personality and they sound great. The Adam Jensen voice actor <laughs> is one of the uh, companions. Yeah. Uh, Adam Jensen all over this. Love it. Oh, I, yeah. I, I just love the way that, that they did that. And it's, it's really, they've always been good at that, but I, I just mm. find like everything comes together in a way that is really interesting. And, and that music, my God, that music is amazing. Like you said, Marco, it comes in right when it's supposed to, it accents the things that you're supposed to accent. It, it really makes epic moments that much more epic. And those slowed and subdued moments, the ambiance sound and, the, and whatever little jingles that are playing in the back are, they work amazing. Now uh, with the positive surprises and it's not all great there, there, there's there's bound to be some surprises that lean a little bit more negative what are some negative surprises that you had so far i think the map system uh <laughs> it's surprisingly anemic and unhelpful um you know especially when you're in a colony there's no real map system available to you whatsoever there which mm-hmm. kind of makes you have to remember things by heart uh in terms of where things are located which probably was i guess in some part um intentional but it just doesn't feel like it really it's not doing with what i think they think it was going to do where it makes right. me want to learn where i'm going and stuff like that it, it it becomes um a hindrance quite a bit now i you can use the uh if you hit the uh left bumper you you do this like analyze thing uh mm-hmm. which will show you kind of a waypoint on the ground to where you need to go next if you get lost but I still wish that there was a better map system. And I'm kind of surprised that for as vast as this game was, that, that they didn't have um, some better solutions for that um, in the game. And I would say, uh, secondly, and this is more of a, of a minor quirk that was kind of surprising, is that uh, a lot of food and consumables uh, don't really pack enough of a punch. Um, to the point where I don't know really what the, the value is of them being there, other than that lived-in feeling I talked about. Um, you know, like I, if you're just going to stock up on like regular ass food to get like your health up, you're going to have to like binge eat basically mm-hmm. to do that. Cause then you get like, Oh, this, this cheese snack gives you three points of health. And you know, I mean, that's like nothing. So I guess, I, mean, I guess I don't know what the point is of those consumables. And even the ones that are like health ones or like the kind of like the equivalent of what they do in Fallout with like Rad yeah. X and those types of things. Like those don't even feel like they pack enough of a punch either. So yeah. I, I, unless I'm unless I'm not leveling up some kind of skill, yeah, that's... then they feel a bit 
useless in most cases for me. Yeah, that's an unfortunate thing. A lot of the stuff that would just be a part of a desert game, like eating a whole bunch of apples or something to gain your health, you now you have to put specific skills in something and research certain things in order to get the the, the best out of that. And that that's that's not great. Uh, I would say that. But yeah. my, some of my negative surprises, the map is right up there. I I I'd go a little far to say that the map system is absolutely awful. It's inexcusable specifically for the uh, city maps like the, you have to I, I and I understand the reason it's all about discoverability and once I know where stuff is in a uh, new Atlantis and a kill I once I know that I know where to go that's fine but the fact that once I'm going into a new location and I'm fumbling to find that the the ammunition store or something like that I think that that's a little bit um, it's just not done well uh, and, and that's something that can be fixed and I hope that they do fix it because I think at, at the very least it desperately needs um that for for certain areas um i got some more spicy ones though i think todd howard might have slightly oversold space exploration mechanics just a little bit not not that he ever lied it's just that i think the way he 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 romanticized and and, and really hyped some stuff that really just is a menu uh and i i find that to be a little bit uh unfortunate the planets are actual static images you can't really get close to planets uh once you're in the vicinity of them then you menu and then you go into the into the thing where you can see and you can land uh and that's unfortunate i know that you could never land go into a planet and i get that but the fact that it doesn't matter how fast your ship is and how much energy you have and how your engine levels are up you can never get close to the planet and it almost seems like they're flat images i don't know if they are or not but mm. they are static images and that's a little disappointing especially since so much has been been talked about space exploration in the game now i will say uh, the least amount of time has been put into space exploration so i don't know that that could change but as of right now where i'm at uh yeah that that's that's something that uh it's not great for me and then uh the the amount of things you can carry shockingly surprised me as to how low it is uh, from the get and it's becoming it's becoming annoying to the point where i'm forcing myself to having to put a lot of stuff into the weight stuff and then using my, the bottom part of my ship to just throw shit on there just to kind of save uh space that kind of sucks but uh and then that's kind of all but then um i have one spicy one marco and i think this one is something that you're not going to agree with at all but maybe you will. Maybe, uh, I don't like, and I'm shocked, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I don't like the persuasion mechanic. I do really? not like it. Yeah, I think that. I think in, in in I think that the the concept the concept of it is cool. You know that you have these five points or six points depending on how hard difficult the difficulty of the conversation is to fill based on the amount of you know, one point, two point, three, four, five points in terms of the difficulty of each of those choices that you have, and that fills in that meter. Mm -hmm. I don't like it because you start off. Uh, like, for example, I start off as space control because I wanted to be able to persuade and be charming. And you start off with such a low stat anyway, even though if you have that available to you, that you're failing more than you are, you're not. And when you do kind of pass a persuasion check, it's kind of, for me, I, it's felt a little ho-hum. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, really? That convinced you? Like, I don't feel like the dialogue options are great. And if you manage to get enough to where you can auto-persuade uh, somebody, uh, when you do the auto-persuasion, it doesn't 
you don't talk about anything. It just goes right to the end of that game as if you pass that persuasion check and you don't know what was said or anything to get you to that point. So instead you get the NPC saying, whoa, okay, fine, fine. Like kind of responding to, to, to the end of what that would have been if you completed that persuasion check uh, uh, on its own. So I don't love it. I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think it's the worst thing ever, but mm-hmm. it's a little disappointing for me because of the simple fact that that's kind of how I wanted to play this game. Uh, and I'm finding myself to do less of that and put less points in that. Um, but yeah, there is a there is one mechanic though that when you level you level it up, you can actually like highlight a a, a bad guy, an enemy, and you can try to scare him. You can pick an, a dialogue option quickly, and you can scare him away. He'll run away. Mm. Um, what I do is when I do that, I just shoot him in the back because I'm an asshole. Well, we all know that. We all knew that. Uh, but yeah, that, those are my negative surprises uh, that I've had. Uh, for sure one positive i forgot to mention i like the lock picking system a lot though oh so good really good it's probably the best one they've done compared to the other ones where you have to like put the 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 tweezer looking things in there and you don't know which way to turn the thing it's like it starts vibrating and it's gonna break and snap oh i hated (laughs) those ones man yeah give me this any day of the week it's so Um, good it's it's like a little mini puzzle but it's intuitive and it works really well and if you're smart enough and you look at it it, even if it's an expert lock pick you can actually get it if if you uh if you put some thought into it Mm -hmm. all right well what do we got next on the docket man what we got well let's go into the spicy stuff reviews and open critic uh Marco, right now this game is sitting at an 88 on Open Critic. Uh, what do you think about the discourse behind all that stuff? It's interesting, man. Um, you know, look, and I've talked about this, you know, in, in some tweets and stuff like that, but I'll just kind of reiterate it. I think since E3, or, you know, the Starfield Direct, I should say, mm-hmm. Bethesda has been telling people that Starfield is a NASA punk game striving for a more grounded and plausible interpretation of sci-fi. So I just, I find it quite odd that so many reviewers and and even people in the community somehow internalize that as, Oh, I should expect every single planet in the universe to be completely populated and teeming Mm -hmm. with alien companions. I can talk to and fuck. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not what was told to us. So to me, I think it's abundantly clear that, people created a dream starfield in their head that Bethesda never desired to achieve whatsoever. Mm-hmm. This was never going to be let's just let's just call it what it is. This was never going to be Mass Effect. This was no. never going to be um you know uh, or or a hybrid of Mass Effect with No Man's Sky's seamlessness. This was never going to be Star Citizen with painstaking, meticulous management and functionality. This is a Bethesda RPG. It always was going to be that, and it, and it will be. And it shouldn't... The fact that it's a Bethesda RPG should not have been so problematic for reviewers to grasp. If, yeah. they, think, if they think that Starfield is too barren or boring, fine. But plenty of games have boring or underwhelming moments. Why was Starfield where they drew the line, though? You know, yeah. And, and why, why, to that point, why couldn't Starfield get a pass for its shortcomings like other games do? Starfield is not the first game to have a bad map. I'm looking at you, God of War Ragnarok. That map was horrible. I didn't yeah. see. I didn't see anybody talking about that. Okay, Starfield might not handhold you very well in some points. You know, based on the map and things like that. Neither did Elden Ring, but everybody loved Elden Ring. Um, you know, oh, the planets are not that interesting. Well, neither was going to the same planet six times in Jedi Survivor. I guess the 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 point is that there's 
the real problem at play is that media outlets like IGN and GameSpot have no standardized. Here's here's what they do have: they have a standardized review scale from one yeah. to ten, but they don't have a standardized rubric for how games should be rated within that scale. So right. that effectively leaves every game they review at the mercy of the person reviewing it and their predispositions, their preferences or their bias. And as a result of that, reviews have kind of lost their meaning and they've just become this projection of one person's feelings onto others under this guise of recommendation when it's really not. So, And they're cognizant that a seven, though we understand what that means in their review scale, it just kind of doesn't mean it doesn't mean good like they say it does. It just doesn't in terms of how they talk about the game and how they are pretty much like prepared for what's the worst to come once they give this game a seven or whatever the case is. I th- I find it also incredibly interesting that suddenly eighty eight is a bad score or some sort of failure uh, on on the part of Xbox because I'm sitting here and I'm looking at games and I hate to do this but I actually don't at the same time I love it. Uh, games like Spider-Man, Final Fantasy 16, and Horizon Forbidden West. These are games that are hailed as some of the best, if not the best, uh, exclusives on, 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 on PlayStation all have an 88. Okay, and then you look at uh, the goaded games like uh, Miles Morales sitting at an 85, Ghost of Tsushima, phenomenal, sitting at an 84, and so on and so forth. And those were never a problem when they got those those scores. But suddenly now the discourse online is 88 is some sort of failure on Xbox's part, on Bethesda's part. It doesn't make sense. It, it, it just it, it, a lot of the stuff has just gone to a boiling point right now where it's just. People who are reviewing are, are 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 cognizant of what the discourse is, and it, it just feels like they are putting whatever they need to do in order to be part of that discourse, be it good or bad. It just it just feels really uneven, and I don't understand why it has to it has to be this way. And it's disappointing that unfortunately, you know, Starfield has been marred by this, but the people who are actually playing it are absolutely in love with the game. So yeah, you know. Even IGN's uh, seven, when you read that, it literally ends with him. It ended up being an amazing game. It's literally, you know, it, it, the sum of all its parts equals something good. It's just that he he, they, he weighed different things a little bit more harshly than others. But it is what it is at that point. But at the end of the day, um, this is a success. I, I, do you think, do you find that the 88 score, everything you've played, everything you've seen, do, is this a successful game for, for Xbox and, and Bethesda? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a success for them. And I and I knew, I mean, we talked about it on the show. I told you that reviewers are going to show their ass when, mm-hmm. when, when these scores came out. Because, you know, to get hate clicks is is, is a big deal. Uh, you get that kind of traffic that does something. And, and I hate to, you know, be that accusatory, but I think a lot of what's going on to some extent is, is for that reason. Um, people knew um, how big of a deal this game was to Xbox. And we'll get into that in the Checkpoint chat a little mm-hmm. bit more. Uh, and and I think that just made a lot of these reviewers kind of lean forward in their in their chair a little bit a little bit more than they would for a typical review, and really split hairs in ways that, like I said, they just don't do for other games. So um, it's weird that you know I, I think it all comes down to expectations being um, unrealistically high for the game uh, in a way yeah. where it wasn't allowed to have flaws, it wasn't allowed to have shortcomings. It needed to be you know, a 10 out of 10 for, for, for people to, to feel like it was worth everything that we've 
seen and heard and known about the game. And I just don't think that was ever fair. 88 is fine. I yeah. don't think that should spook Microsoft in any kind of way. And again, we'll talk about that more later on in the in the show, and but it's just weird. It's it, really weird. Yeah, it's the goal post moving. Like, oh, this game's gonna be full of bugs and it's gonna be glitchy. It's not, so now it's something else. And that's yeah. now and it's that's, boring and empty. Well, I mean, you know, again, yeah, they told you what this was gonna be, you know. Yeah, it's not Mass did. Effect. So yeah. Anywho. Yeah, I agree with that. So I mean, with all that said, Marco, uh, and we're talking about legacies and futures here. But does this future after Starfield and everything that they've the 10 year cycle of, of baking this game and finally realizing a new IP after 25 years? What do you think? But does the future is what is it looking like? It's going to be interesting to see how Starfield effects fall out in Elder Scrolls in the future. It really is. Are they going to go for a game as expansive as this just in in those universes or are they going to keep the the scale and scope of the next Fallout and Elder Scrolls pretty much the same as what we saw from Fallout 4 and Skyrim? I don't know. I I would honestly be totally fine if they go if they keep it the same. I don't think every game they do moving forward has to be as big as Starfield is. Um in fact, I think that's probably what most fans would would most likely prefer. Yeah. Um and I think that would create enough diversity between these three ip so that they're all not doing the exact same thing just with a different backdrop so i i think that i think to me this this game to me bodes well for bethesda's future um i don't think they should they should be too concerned about anything they've you know heard from you know the people that just want to complain about everything um i think they just got to stay the course and keep doing what they want to do but maybe to your point earlier figure out the engine situation now. yeah it's time to reevaluate that but i don't know if uh if starfield should really impact how they approach fallout or elder scrolls moving forward other than other than same quality control i want that yes keep that they can't go back to bug desert ever again no yeah. yeah um i think that the future remains bright for them as a developer i will say i am slightly concerned in that when you have this autonomy uh, when you're an independent studio, you can afford to release a game every 10 years, every eight years. I mean, Rockstar does it all the time. But now that they are the premier Xbox first person, uh, I mean, first party uh, development team, I wonder if, you know, they're going to be rushed into their next project. Like, I wonder if if they're never going to be given the same amount of time that Starfield was given. Obviously, there's a lot of things that came into play as to why that was. But, you know, when you have a good game and you have a good developer, you want them to keep making games. And I don't know if Xbox is going to be cool with them taking another 10 years to make their next big project. So I don't know if that means that they get bigger and they diversify and start to make two games at one time. Uh, I personally uh, am not a huge fan of Elder Scrolls, but I'm excited for what six may be. I'm a little bummed out that I'm going to have to wait 10, 12 years for Fallout 5. And then the way it's going, what, 15, 20 for the next Starfield? Like, it, it's uh, that, that can't be the case. And so I am worried as to how they figure that out. Uh, but, you know, they're Bethesda, man. And I'm always going to be excited for what they put out next. Absolutely. All right. So we, do we have any, and I think we covered this pretty much uh, with review disagreements, right? Is there anything that stands out when it comes to disagreements on reviews that you've seen specifically? No, I mean, I think I've covered most of those bases mm-hmm. already. Um, I think that at, at the end of the day, um, again, it feels like people had a, a very different version of Starfield in their head than what they received in reality. And I think people have either done a good job of reconciling that and or done a bad job of reconciling yeah. that. And I think that's just kind of where it boils down to for me at the end of the day there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess 
I guess to summarize everything, I, I would say for me, um, this game is is meeting and exceeding expectations in some ways. Um, the more I play of it, the more I will um, you know, have a better assessment of that. But right now, I, I the, the the flaws that we've called out, um, you know, in the grand scheme of Starfield, are so small in comparison to yeah. all the things that it does right. That for me, um, it's it's absolutely catapulted up my list of of game of the year contenders already. Uh, and I oh, think yeah. it'll continue to do that unless unless it absolutely shits the bed narratively or with some other thing that, that comes down the pike. But which uh, is not what I've heard. Said. Yeah, exactly. Which is not what yeah. they said. It's the opposite. Right. right. It goes it goes upwards. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really hyped to, uh, about continuing to play this. But right now, yeah, it's definitely meeting and in some ways yeah. surpassing my expectations. Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree. This is for me, this is the evolution of the Bethesda style RPG. The, they aren't exactly reinventing what has worked for them for so long. And that's what I wanted. My expectation going in was to have a the quintessential Bethesda RPG experience in 2023 and that's exactly what I have here it's not a perfect game uh but it is ambitious it's very ambitious and and and, and the and people say the the phrase a jack of all trades a master of none I think this is a jack of all trades and a master of many of those mm. uh, of those things so that and that I love it for that and it's trying to do a lot of things and I think it succeeds in a lot of those things and I, that's what I love about Bethesda and, and their ambition here it's 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 phenomenal and like like you Mark it's already shot up in my game of the year um uh list if, if it's supposed to get better than this <laughs> it, it it could it's gonna damn well be my game of the year. Let, let's it's just gonna be some just, tough decisions. Yeah, let's yeah. just call it what. Like, tough choice. Last year, Elden Ring was the clear cut one. This year, everybody was saying Tears of the Kingdom, even me. Uh, but if it gets better than this, and it's really good right now, uh, it's gonna be a really interesting end of the year conversation here on on the Cool Down Time Podcast for sure. They did it. They did it, mm-hmm. man. Um, that now. now uh believe it or not our loadout segment is not done yet we have more games to talk about but before we keep going uh if you enjoyed that starfield breakdown and you like what you're hearing from our show consider subscribing to our podcast right now we're on spotify apple Podcasts, google and other streaming services and hey maybe leave a nice review for us while you're there uh and if you're feeling extra cool you can also follow us on x and instagram and blue sky if you happen to have access to that just yet at its cooldown time if you want to hit us up with your questions comments or support for the show uh but pablo let's go ahead and keep moving through loadouts uh it's it's ridiculous that we have more games that we're playing on our docket here but we do uh because we were playing some stuff before starfield came out admittedly so we got to cover those bases as well um i'm gonna jump in real quick here because i got a chance to get my hands on armored core 6 fires of rubicon uh you had obviously talked about it last week with your first impressions and i now have mine um and uh for those of you you know aren't aware of this game or you didn't catch last week's episode this is basically the long-awaited return of this cult classic mech series from uh from software uh the makers of uh, elden ring and the soul series um uh, you know coming into this game pablo honestly i i you know never played an armor core before but i was intrigued about how from software could pull this off especially after all the positive preview coverage that we got mm-hmm, ahead of the mm-hmm. game's release um <clears throat> I put in about, let's say, three-ish hours into the game, give or take. Um, And I I would say that this is a surprisingly well-made game, but I think it teeters back and forth too often between modern and archaic. Mm -hmm. 
Um, story-wise, I think it excels in coolness and mystique in a weird Metal Gear kind of way, especially with the PMC-like factions and their cool logos. It's yes. very MGS4 to me in that way. Uh, and I actually don't mind the codec-like briefings either. They can be kind of cool, uh, you know, in that weird PowerPoint kind of way. Um, and surprisingly, I actually liked the Merc for Hire angle where each faction eventually warms up to your character and then gives you a special uh, a special designation mm-hmm. within their faction, yet you're also working <laughs> against them as well. Uh, it's, it's really weird, and it made me intrigued to see, like, how all that was going to, like, clash eventually as you play further into the game. Um, Gameplay wise, though, um, I think the mechanics and the overall action feel excellent um, with the control scheme. It actually makes sense in my brain, which is very seldom for games like this. However, I do think the camera can be an impedance at times, especially when the action gets pretty heavy. But my real problem with this game and the reason why I called it archaic is and you mentioned this last week, I think it's 100 percent spot on the old PS2 like mission structure is just so boring and Mm -hmm. unimaginative. In most cases, the missions are very short and they're not very dynamic. Most of the time, there's a couple standout ones like boss fights or um, the shadow of the Colossus, like one that you mentioned that do spice things up a little bit. But I I think it, it generally speaking, I found that, while I love doing all the customization and I love kind of getting my, my, my rig ready to go out there and do my thing, what I'm doing in the actual game just doesn't feel compelling at all. Uh, and so I think for me, that's been a, a drawback for sure. Um, presentation wise, I think it looks very good, handles the action very competently yeah. in terms of performance. Um, uh, maybe it's even from software's best performing game to date. I yeah, don't know. I think so. Um, but I do think environments though are probably my biggest, detriment there because they, they're all very painfully bland and I, I think the soundtrack and voice work don't leave much of an impression on me either so i think in closing this game has a lot of amazing qualities to it but my mileage with this game probably won't be long yeah uh, because the mission the mission structure just isn't compelling enough to make this game a priority for me yeah that's funny about the call sign because it's like hey you're six two one your call sign is raven got that gun 13 what <laughs> Excuse me? Hello? <laughs> no, but um yeah. The numbers. What do they mean? Yeah, no, I um yeah, I I still I'm I'm, I'm not still playing it because I'm playing Starfield before Starfield. I still going strong, struggling a little bit here. Uh I think uh at first I was uh I said last week that I felt that this game was very different from a Dark Souls, but I, I I've actually I'm walking that back a little bit. I think that it is derivative enough to where it's like armor core in Dark Souls, especially when you get to some of those boss fights. Um yeah. I, I think the game like you said, performs well, does well. Still think the story is terrible. Uh but ultimately for me, it's a game that I kind of still enjoy those challenges. I still get that euphoric feeling once I beat a once thought impossible boss and so because of that i'm still gonna kind of chip away at it as as a palate cleanser if need be down the line uh while i'm playing starfield uh but i am enjoying it i think it's a solid game i think there's people out there who are really really in love with it and and, um, i wish i was them i'm not really in love with the game like that but i do think that it is a pretty solid game that i am uh, gonna keep playing as time goes on and you know if i have any other updates down the line in terms of how i feel if i've walked away from it or if i've i've gained some new kind of love for it i'll definitely bring that up here but that's kind of all i had on my end for for uh, armor core that's fair yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair it's a very likable game but not a game yeah. i don't think i can ever really love yeah to be honest but uh but yeah it, it's not a bad game whatsoever though i'm actually pleasantly surprised that i'm actually like digesting it well as a mech game because i don't play games like this at all yeah. so this was really weird for me um 
other game I've had uh, that I played some t- uh, for, for probably a little bit, not too long, honestly, and I don't think I'll come back to it. It's Sea of Stars. Um, this is a classic style 2D pixel art RPG that serves as a prequel to The Messenger for some weird reason. <laughs> for some weird um, reason. And, uh, you know, going in, I'll be totally honest, a little bit prejudicial. I just, I, I'm so tired of these retro 2D pixel art RPGs that uh, even though this game looked beautiful, there was a demo that came out that a lot of people were hyped about. I know you were pretty you yeah, know, yeah. Um, impressed with it. I just could not get interested in this at all, mm-hmm. but it's on game pass and PS plus. So I had, you know, I downloaded it before Starfield came out. Um, <clears throat> and I'll say it, it's a, it's a well-made game, but I guess it just doesn't stand out to me uh, from all the other retro 2d pixel art rpgs even after playing it i think the story is pretty corny and boilerplate um i think the characters are charming but i guess i just don't find any of them very intriguing um enough to a point where i'd want to see what they're up to 40 hours from now in a game uh i just don't think they have that going for them right um gameplay wise i felt like the turn-based system was fairly straightforward to the point of being a little too rudimentary um and I, you know, but I do appreciate the fact that the game does not make you have to level grind to progress. I think that's a nice time saving thing for grown folk like me. Um, but again, with a, with a system so simplistic yeah. like theirs, it just it's still not very fun to play through anyway. Um, did you play this, by the nah, way? A little bit. I, I, I kind of dabbled in it, but enough to where I was like, because right. like I always find these games to be incredibly intriguing and interesting. And I never ever really put any significant time into it because it's kind of like yeah I, it's not for me like chain echoes is a game that came out last year that people absolutely adore and i wanted to do the same and yeah. i just couldn't get get through that really yeah. and so same thing with with, with uh, sea of stars it's it's a game that i'm probably never gonna play but uh you know it was cool yeah yeah to that point i mean it does look good i mean the pixel art is beautiful it, it definitely is and um I, I think the problem though is like weirdly many locations feel vacant like especially towns and villages like no one's around yeah yeah it's it's kind of like like off-putting in a way like it's beautiful but no one's here like or everyone or the people that are there are just standing in place yeah and just like and it's also not doing anything i've seen the weirdest turnaround on it because when the reviews started coming out people were like absolutely the one of the best rpgs of all time and a lot of people that i follow on social media are like hey it's cool it's good it's just it it takes some time the story isn't great and so a lot of it came down to earth a little bit for me in terms of the hype for sure yeah, I think people fall in love with the with the pixel art and the sense of charm, which is in abundance in this yeah. game. And then it's oh, it's great, you know. But it's really it's okay. Mm-hmm. Even the music, which is uh, made by the composer of Chrono Trigger, which yeah, is yeah. you know, if you people that know that soundtrack know that that is that is legendary stuff. Even the music is kind of bland. It's just like well, uh, you know, I don't know. There's just not enough standout aspects of Sea of Stars to make me ever want to stick with it. But I can, I can totally see why someone who is into these kinds of games would eat this up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, just yeah. I'm not, I'm not that guy. Um, but um, you actually have one, one game that we haven't talked about, Pablo. Mm-hmm. So why don't you go ahead and talk about that one? What do you got? That that, that game is Immortals of avium or avium or evium i don't know uh but it's a single player action adventure first person shooting first person shooter with no guns it's all magic based uh it's a game that definitely kind of caught my eye when i first saw it and then as the more i saw it the less interested i was so coming into it i had pretty low expectations uh i will say though this game is not terrible it's kind of a really beautiful look 
Really? Yeah, it's actually a beautiful looking game. Interesting ideas. They don't always fully come together, but the shooting mechanic, basically a lot of people have been calling Call of Duty with magic, and I kind of hate that, but they're so right. Like down to the crunchy sound that you make when you get headshots, it's all there. The story is um, interesting. Uh, like, you know, you, you play this character called Jack. You live in a world that's affected by something disgustingly called the wound. <laughs> Which is uh, basically killing the, the the world. Things happen and you end up joining like basically the Navy SEALs of battle mages uh, called the Immortals of Avium. Uh, and basically uh, from that point on, you're doing these missions and you're trying to, to go out there and, you know, rid the world of this evil. It's pretty simple. The vo- the, the voice acting is is uneven, but it, it, it's, it's well done enough to where it, like it's interesting. The main character is a little bit one of those brash kind of dudes, but it works. It works really good. Uh, and, and in gameplay, I I think it's it's where it shines the best. A lot of stuff happening in terms of like lights and, and sparks and everything. And it works well. It plays well. It looks great as well. Presentation is 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 top top notch. Uh, but you know, it's just when it all comes together, uh, it just feels a little bit not cheap. But it just it definitely has these things about it that. Uh, it's not very interesting or intriguing in the long run. The story is a story. It just, it kind of dies out and you're kind of doing the things over and over, go into the section, like kill box area, kill a whole bunch of enemies, move on to the next, have a little cutscene that explains something, so on and so forth. I am actually really interested in playing. I've kind of been tossing up whether I'm going to keep playing armor core or this as my companion game to Starfield as the deeper I get into Starfield. But I, I, I don't know, but I, I do think ultimately for me, this is a really get a really surprisingly good game that it does a lot of stuff really well and a lot of stuff really bad. And when it comes together, you get a pretty decent package here. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because um you know I, people have just kind of glossed right past it almost well, like Atlas Fallen. And it, it, but well, I think that the, I the, the biggest disservice that they've done to this game is release it when they released it because if they would have released mm. it in July, there definitely would have been a little more conversations. You would have definitely heard people really talk about uh, how how surprisingly good the game is. But this game drops, and I think days later. The, the reviews uh, codes went out for uh, Starfield and the conversations for Starfield started ramping up and then Baldur's Gate yeah. conversation out, out there and then the PS5 release already coming out. So it, it got overshadowed by news and, 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 and things that just really would hurt a new IP, especially a new IP that is as different as this. Yeah. Well, let us know if you keep playing it, man. I'm uh, interested to hear what you think about it if you uh, put some more time into it. But I know it's going to be hard with uh, Starfield doing Starfield things mm-hmm. to us. But uh, nevertheless, that is finally going to wrap up our loadouts segment of the show. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to the news segment of the show that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right. So we have three topics to discuss this week, Pablo. And. Uh, not all of it's going to be Xbox related like like we did for the first hour and a half of the show with Starfield. We got to talk about Sony for a little bit, Pablo, because uh, Sony has announced a pretty shocking price hike for all annual PS Plus subscriptions. PS Plus Essential has jumped from $60 to $80. PS Plus Extra shot up from $100 to $135. 
And PS Plus Premium has gone from $120 to $160, all with no additional features or games to incentivize the price increase, which is, I think, roughly 33% to 35% yep, higher uh, for each tier. So I guess you know, let's just let's just ask the blunt question, Pablo. How bad of a look is this for Sony right now? Terrible, terrible look. It's the hubris of, of, of the PlayStation uh, when they are ahead, when they are killing it in the market share. They don't give a fuck. Once they're out there and they're in the lead and they have the biggest market share probably ever in terms of compared to, to, to Xbox, they're doing things like this because they know people are going to pay for it. You know, one thing that people don't really talk about is that cloud saves are attached to your PS Plus subscription. Like, you can't save to the cloud without one. So now they're asking people to fork up 35% more money per year so they can, at the very very least, use that, which is very important, especially with, with uh, the PlayStation 5 only coming 600 uh, gigs uh, available for, for that kind of stuff. So it, it's disappointing. It's terrible. But it isn't that surprising in that, Sony does things anti-consumer all the time. It's their, it's kind of like their company uh, ethos. It's like, what, what's the best thing we can do to fuck over a consumer because, just because we can? And, and this is it. I mean, this is like literally should have been probably number one on top of the list. Let's raise prices for <laughs> no reason. Usually when it comes to a price hike, especially specifically so significant, there would be an announcement coming that says, hey, uh, also this is available. And that just hasn't been the case. There has been a rumor circulating that they're going to do a state of play. They're going to talk about this and there might be something to incentivize. However, even if that's the case, 35% is massive jump. But also, what's up with their marketing? Why not just wait for that to happen at that point in order to have that conversation? Be like, hey, we're this for this. You know, even if it's not worth it at the end of the day, at least there's something there. Really, there, it, this is just like, hey, 35% increase. Why? Because we can. Go fuck off. That's literally what they, 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 they told their consumers. Yeah, um, it, it's so funny throughout the history of our show. Um, you know, we've 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 been man, we've been fair. We've been fair toward. I mean, we are a very unbiased podcast. We've we've given Xbox their fair share of shit. Uh, we we've given it to Sony. We've given it back to Xbox, and it, now it feels like it's just a tennis match between mm-hmm. the two of of who's going to do the dumbest thing next. And man, Sony is uh, is killing it in that regard because this is horrible. Um, it really is surprising how they move in such an arrogant way like yep. this, where even if there is some sort of explanation for it for the state of play or some type of thing you get as an incentive that they announce later, the fact that they did it now, the fact they did it a day before Starfield came right. out as well to kind of bury the mm-hmm. lead and that really unless they're adding in first party day one drops on that's this what I was thinking service, too, yeah. then, then why, what are we doing here? It, it's just, it's a very um, crude way of, of treating consumers. And um, look, I mean, it, to me, my, my only theory is that PS plus subscription numbers are, are, are terrible mm-hmm. and they're trying to, you know, get some lift from, from people that, um, that won't cancel no matter Maximize what. Your dollars. Um, but I, yeah, but I, I just don't I don't know how that would benefit them in the long run either by just pissing off consumers and continuing to just nickel and dime people into oblivion when there's an alternative right now that being Xbox that, you know, is on the, on to many people's eyes on the uptick yeah. again. 
and much more value uh, centric than than PlayStation is. So it's just a weird way to kind of step into the holidays. Um, you know, I, I just don't understand what they're doing between this accessory hell and one first party release yeah. of meaning this year. What are we doing? Yeah. What's going on? It's just bizarre. It's such a significant up, uh, uptick that I, I almost feel like there's something that they have to talk about because otherwise it doesn't make a lot of sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, what if uh, I told you that Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 finally maybe has a sensible roadmap ahead of them? Uh, because it has been re-revealed, Pablo. I know this is a franchise that's very near and dear mm-hmm. to you. Uh, and uh, the game is officially slated now for fall 2024. However, uh, the new developers behind the game is a studio called The Chinese Room, uh, who has developed games like Everyone Has Gone to the Rapture and Amnesia. Um, so a trailer came out with what seems to be a completely new game. Uh, it was kind of shown off to us with some promising in-game footage. But I'm curious to know as a fan, Pablo, how do you feel about this announcement? Is there any confidence uh, that this game will actually be any good? And is this the right studio for the job? And this is much maligned the game had been in development hell. It's a game that um, is is I love it, and it's it's has a, a great reputation. The first one does, but it's still kind of a niche game. So, my fear here is that the Chinese room, being a developer that does smaller games, that this game will now be a smaller game. You know, um, I I kind of wanted this to be like their Witcher three, where like they took everything they learned from the, that bloodlines and just made this expansive RPG within that incredibly interesting world. Uh, so I am excited that there is a development, a development team attached to it, that the game looks so much better. It honestly just looks like a whole new game. Um, and I'm glad that it does have a fall 2024 new release window. Um, confidence. I don't have confidence. I can't have confidence in a game that has passed hands between three or four, three developers at one time. Uh, I think Saber was very, Paradox was crazy. Yeah, dude. Paradox yeah. has very, very uh, secretive as to who was developing the game again, almost like if they didn't know themselves, which is concerning. Uh, or like they were nervous right. about like what we yeah, would say. Yeah, you know there's just I mean? a lot of stuff here where it just feels... It feels like they're on the path to something good, though I do feel like some concessions might have been made to the game itself. And probably the the, the end result that we'll get next year is something good, but it isn't what I wanted it, the game to be, which is just a, a more expansive, a more... Uh, just a bigger game in order for this franchise to finally get its due. Because right now it's stuck in, in like, uh, in, in, in these other games, these like spinoffs, spinoff hell, these horrible iterations of, of, of masquerade and what they, that is. Uh, but we'll see, man. Uh, 2024, uh, fall 2024 is still a year away. We'll see if this game even comes out and we'll see if it's anything good, but I can't say that I'm fully confident in what the final product would be though. I am glad that, there is going to be something that I'm going to get my hands on eventually, probably, hopefully, yeah, that's maybe. True. <laughs> well, I have no point of reference uh, with Vampire the Masquerade or um, the games that, that the Chinese room have made. Amnesia, I must have forgot. Ah, you that. never did. <laughs> uh, everyone has gone to the Rapture. I ain't been there. Yeah, um, I played it. It's it's so. a, it's like a walking simulator. It's like remember those walking sims like uh, Tacoma and, and they're yeah. really popular. That's that's one of them. It's good. Uh, it's good. I got you. Yeah, I heard they're good. I I heard their writing is good. The writing so is good. That, their visual that fidelity is amazing, but it's always been small, small games. You know. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, I'll keep tabs on it. I, I my only hope is that they release the first game on console. Somehow, oh my! Uh, to get to get people, please. I mean, why release the sequel without giving people who have never played the PC game an opportunity to play the original? Like, yeah, that's one of my biggest gaps in my gaming portfolio. Really, is yeah. never playing the first one because it's right up my alley. Um, but nevertheless, maybe they don't want um, to because the first one will be better than the second one anyway. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, well, hopefully, hoping for the best. Yeah, hoping yeah. for a cyberpunk like turnaround mm-hmm. uh, oh, development wise mm-hmm. but we'll see all right now before we close out the show real quick we want to go ahead and announce the results from the last poll of the week which was after starfield which bethesda sequel did you guys want to see on xbox the most and coming in at first place at 54 percent was none other than the elder scrolls 6 much to pablo's chagrin uh, followed by fallout 5 at 21 percent wolfenstein 3 at 17 percent and pray to uh, last but not least, or really last and least, <laughs> um, at eight uh, percent. So that is that poll of the week, and so that means it's time for our new poll of the week, which is now live right now on X, which is the following question: Do you trust game reviews? Yes, no, or sometimes. So if you want to go ahead and participate in that poll, go ahead and go over to X right now and cast your vote. And be sure to follow us there right after you vote so that you can swing back around and check the results at the end of the week. But in the meantime, that is going to do it for this week's episode of Cooldown Time. If you enjoyed this, please be sure to subscribe to Cooldown Time to catch future episodes from us. And follow us on social media at It's Cooldown Time to show us your support. Until next time, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Make me feel